Hello, and welcome to Pursuit of Infinity, a podcast where we explore the depths of human consciousness and delve into the fascinating world of psychedelics. I'm your host, Josh, and in this week's episode, I sat down with Barrett Perlman. Barrett is a fearless psychonaut, venturing into uncharted territories of the human psyche through very deep plant medicine work. She not only is an explorer of the deep, but also assists others in their journeys as a plant medicine practitioner and a coach. She's the host of the Modern Hippie Podcast, which dives deep into the ideas that support her work and curiosity through interviewing guests and through solo episodes. All the links that you can find here will be in the description and the show notes below. But before we get to it, we've got a few announcements and some housekeeping. So as always, you can visit our website, PursuitOfInfinity.com, where you can not only listen to the pod through our integrated media player, but find all of the places you can follow us as well. If you want to support the show, we really appreciate a follow or a sub, as well as a five-star rating and a review, as these things help to boost our standing in the algorithms, as well as the hearts and minds of our peers. So for the announcements, we have a newly created Discord server, which you'll find a link to in the description. There are some general chat channels where anyone can join, so come on over, see what we've got, and be part of the discussion. But we also have some patron-only channels that are extra special, including channels dedicated to mushroom cultivation, giveaways, and live streams. Which brings me to the next announcement. We have completely revamped our Patreon offerings. So if you're an avid listener and want to show us some extra support, you'll get some great stuff in return. As mentioned, you'll gain access to our patron-only Discord channels, which will include monthly live stream Q&As, and that's on our $2 a month tier. So on our second tier, which is the $5 tier, you'll get all of that as well as a Pursuit of Infinity gift pack, which will include an array of trinkets like stickers, pins, and other things, as well as a t-shirt. So head on over to patreon.com slash pursuit of infinity to find out more. And before I forget, check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at pursuit of infinity. All of our episodes are always posted there in video format, as well as an array of shorts that we have been putting together on a regular basis. Now with all of that out of the way, thank you so much for listening and please help me to welcome to the show, Barrett Perlman. Hey everybody, welcome to Pursuit of Infinity. I'm your host, Josh. If you listen to the audio version, you will have heard a short introduction to our guest today. Um, today I'm joined by Barrett Perlman, the host of the Modern Hippie Podcast. Thank you, Barrett, for joining me today. Mm, thank you so much for having me, Josh. So the first thing I want to talk about is uh, you were a pro wakeboarder and I saw some pictures online of you like doing crazy flips and like you were the real deal. So tell me about that. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, that was a big chunk of my life. I kind of graduated high school and was competing at wakeboarding. And then as I went off to college, went to Orlando, which is like the Mecca for wakeboarding and just got super, super into it. Um, I used to not really be great at sports. And so this was the first sport I really excelled at. And I think there's a lot of important lessons in sports now that I reflect on it. Um, that, you really learn to fall down a lot and get back up. And I was really known for being a chick who fell a lot. 
and I would land my runs a lot also, and I would do well on tour, but the lessons that come from trying and trying and trying again, and then trying something that you know works and yet still falling sometimes. So there were a lot of lessons in like getting the shit kicked out of you and having to get back up and go again that I really appreciate now in everything that I do. Um, I think it's a great, great lesson for business. It's a great lesson for self-development. It's a great lesson for exploring psychedelics. And yeah, it was a really great, great time in my life. I spent six years being a professional wakeboarder and on any given day was ranked top 10 um, in professional women all around the world. It's amazing. Uh, did you train like all of your life for it? Like how long did you do it for? I started wakeboarding when I was 14 years old. When I was 15, I started doing it somewhat regularly. Like I learned how to snowboard first, ironically, from a little girl growing up in South Florida. I convinced my parents to take me snowboarding first. And it was like, holy shit, I love this sport. I want to be a pro snowboarder. And my parents were like, we live in South Florida. That's not going to happen. Pick something else. And so I just happened to have a neighbor who was a a wakeboarder and ran a wakeboard school out of his house. And all of these pros from all around the world were flying in to train with him. Just kind of really luck of the draw. And so he taught me how to wakeboard. And I never, ever, ever thought I was going to be pro at it because I had sucked at all of the sports before it. You know, even in gymnastics, they had to take me off to the side and like tell me that all of my friends were going to graduate to level two if I didn't flip backwards on a trampoline. <laughs> and ironically, we use trampolines to cross train in wakeboarding. And so now I'm so comfortable flipping and spinning and all of those things on it. But um, yeah, it, it just, once I was 15, I started doing it sort of regularly. By 16, I was um, driving down to about an hour south of where I lived to train with a coach. And they were just sort of very adamant on like, well, you should train and ride for junior women's division. So that way you have a, a purpose in coming here. And so they, they had me putting together what are called runs. And a run is basically your competition format, your competition pass. So when you jump off the dock, you usually go down to one end of the lake, turn around, and that's your first run to the other end of the lake, turn around, you get a second run back and then head back into the dock. And so we started learning tricks and things that I could put into a run to be competitive. And I competed at junior women's. I always just did super shit. And so I, again, never thought anything of it until I moved to Orlando for college. And I started training with the best coach in the world there. His name's Glenn Fletcher at O-Town Watersports. And as I'm training with him, I started learning a lot really quickly. And he was like, Pearlman, you got to try. You get like the first tour stops here in Orlando. You got to go for it. And I was like, oh. I was like okay, okay, whatever. And I did, and I actually rode pretty well, and I got ninth at my very first pro women's competition. And from there, I was like, whoa, if I could do ninth off what I have now, I wonder what I could learn and how much better I could do. And and then I actually got really good at wakeboarding. So, Yeah, sometimes it just takes like <clears throat> the right teacher, and it seems like maybe mm. the right teacher came into your life at the right time. Oh, that's a brilliant way of putting it. And as a coach now myself, in a different way, I'm really able to reflect on what a beautiful coach he was. He was my third coach in my wakeboarding career. And yet he brought so much to the table. Like he really took the time to understand my brain, understand how I operated, 
um, he was really good at knowing what made each one of his students tick. And he could just say the one thing that would like arrow through your heart about the issue. And he was a a power team, like his wife also ran the office. And so once you got off the water, now you're in the office with her and you're getting all of these life downloads and things. And the two of them combined really encouraged me to become the best version of myself that I am today. Sounds perfect. And it sounds like you probably learned a lot about coaching and about teaching from them. Yeah. And I didn't think about it at the time, really. I mean, I coached wakeboarding then, but now that I am like a transformational coach, I see so much of what they did for me. And I see the tough love they gave me and how I had to rise to the occasion to really even benefit from it. But in rising to the occasions on their tough loves, how much I grew in that. Like if you came into wakeboard camp with a bad attitude, you were sent out to rake lake weeds. (laughs) And what that means is like where the boat is kept in the boat slip is pretty shallow. And in Florida, it's hot. And so the weeds are always growing to the surface. And if the weeds get wrapped around the propeller, then the boat overheats and it's a whole thing. Someone has to get it off and it's just sucks. And so they would send you out there with an underwater rake designed for this. And you would have to stand in four feet of water and rake lake weeds and be concerned that maybe there's an alligator that's going to come. You're right near these reeds. Maybe there's baby snakes. Like it's just... And you would do that until your bad attitude went away. <laughs> so I assume by the way that uh, you're describing it, you may have done it once or twice. Uh, easily, at least a couple handfuls of times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so where has uh, your career in coaching led you? <clears throat> now, um, I, in just the last couple of years, have been stepping into a transformational coach and I am coaching entrepreneurs to use psychedelics to discover their limitless and creative potential to manifest their goals and their abundant life. Um, I'm also helping people step into their authenticity and essentially what it all really means is I'm helping people heal at their core, how to deepen their relationships, deepen those connections with people, maybe even save a relationship that's falling apart by doing the inner work and forgiving yourself, forgiving others and equipping them with the tools so that they have the things to turn to when times get tough and they can begin to self-regulate. And once you can self-regulate now, you can also raise your frequency. And when you raise your frequency, you start attracting all of these beautiful things that you could have only ever dreamed of. I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't know life could be this good. I never imagined. Like I grew up with so much depression my whole life. I was suicidal my whole life. And it was a mushroom journey that finally saved my life. And I I don't even say that lightly. Like it was the night I was ready to die. And instead I was like, I have these mushrooms. Let me take them, see if something happens. And if not, tonight's it. And that was the night that my higher consciousness connected with me and walked me through how to love myself for the very first time in my entire life. And there was, there was no going back after that. I got hooked on what is happening here with this medicine. How can I continue to utilize this to reframe things in my life and to heal? And I went from someone who was just loved getting blackout drunk all the time, um, was pretty reckless. I, I don't think I was a great friend. I mean, I was a lone wolf. I I honestly always had a good heart. Um, But yeah, it really changed everything about me to where I now feel so like I've handled a lot of my shit 
and I'm prepared to continue handling more of my shit. And now it's kind of like a game. And it's almost like there's these lessons everywhere. And instead of it being something that's worthy of killing myself over because of this challenge in front of me, um, now I see everything much more as what can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? And I'm so excited to be sharing that knowledge with other people. Yeah, often it's just like a little bit of reframing and you can change everything in your life. So mm-hmm. what was it that brought you to this uh, suicidal tendency? Was it one big particular thing? Was it just an accumulation of all the experiences you've had in your life? Uh, what exactly was it? Uh, I think it was an accumulation and one particular thing. I think someone who feels suicidal and depressed, you hang on to that through way all the time. and oftentimes I would get to a place of like, this is my life. Nobody else has to live this life. And it is so fucking painful. It feels wrong to force me to continue on just because it makes everyone around me happy. Like I'm unhappy. And in this particular instance was a a breakup and it wasn't necessarily that he broke up with me as much as it was the things that I was led to believe about myself in that breakup that I was um, a bad person, that I wasn't worthy of love, that, um, yeah, I didn't think I would ever, didn't think I would ever love again. I didn't think I'd ever find someone. I think that's often um, something we all have a tendency to jump to until we do find someone. And then the catch is that, you know, even then you can lose someone that you think you've found, but I digress. Um, Yeah. Over the years, I had just been really suicidal often about little things. And when I was younger, I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And so what that really sort of means was that I would have mood swings that could change on a dime and they could change moment by moment. Like I could be super high and then someone could say something like, oh, you're wearing that dress. And immediately I'd be debilitated. Um, And so I think growing up with that and not knowing how to navigate that really made a lot of seemingly less important things feel really amplified and feel like I couldn't handle them. Um, The first time I wanted to kill myself, I was eight years old and I was going to jump off my balcony and I didn't want to do my homework. And for people who've never felt that suicide, that depression, like it sounds, I get it, it sounds silly. Um, I don't even really want to reflect back on my past self and like judge it, but that was sort of the the minusculeness of what made me not want to be here. It was like, cool, if I didn't exist anymore, I wouldn't have to do homework. Um, so then there became this through way for me of there being an exit strategy and that perhaps there was something beyond this life that I could get to that would just be better or different or start over. And um, yeah, I've done a lot of the healing work now to where those things don't affect me anymore. Like I don't believe that if I went and saw a psychiatrist that I would any longer fall into the borderline personality disorder category. And I think that's a huge testament to the healing of plant medicines. And when you utilize them appropriately as a tool, along with other techniques, how we can shift and how we can heal the things that make us feel so broken. Yeah. Whenever people talk about like thinking that 
it's silly to to have those thoughts of suicidal ideation. Um, you know, I always think of this thing I was told one time where somebody compared it to being in a burning building. It's like no matter what situation you're in, it's like the building you're in is burning, and either you're mm. you look behind you and you see a, a, you know the flames and you see the source of those flames and they're going to burn you alive, and then to your other side you see a window and you decide I'd rather jump out that window than be burned alive by what I'm facing. So. I like to think of it like that. And I also heard uh, the lead singer of Linkin Park, Chester Bennington, um, he committed suicide. And I remember listening to an interview that he gave and he said, like, in the streets of my mind, like I'm in the alleys of my mind and these are dark places. These are like dark streets you don't want to be in at night, you know? And he felt like he was in his head in a dark street at night at all times. And it was just like a dangerous place to be. And I resonated a lot with that too. Um, but so what, what brought you to mushrooms? Was there anything before that, that you tried or was it just like hopeless for you at that point? I had been in, I mean, I'd been in therapy off and on my whole life. Um, by the time I was 22 years old, um, I was coming out of like the best therapy therapist I'd ever had in Orlando and I was moving to Los Angeles and she sort of gave me even the blessing to, not be in therapy anymore. I was doing great on antidepressants and, you know, they thought I had a chemical imbalance. I'd be on them for the rest of my life. And ultimately I didn't really like that plan and I wean off of them. And then, you know, everything was fine until something happened and then you'd try them again and, um, or I'd take them again just to avoid feeling like I just wanted to die every single day. And so I had tried mushrooms when I was 18 years old um, I did it with some friends in, in Tennessee and they really planned the whole thing nicely. They did the Wizard of Oz with the Dark Side of the Moon soundtrack. And if you have never done those two things together, it's one of the few things outside of respecting the mushrooms ceremonially that I will ever recommend. It's a brilliant combination. Um, but I, I, at that point too, loved to go back into this back bedroom and I just loved being by myself and I would close my eyes and I would have the most incredible visuals. And I knew something was happening, um, that I didn't get much of a chance to sit in then because they kept coming back for me being like, no, you're going to have a bad trip. We can't leave you alone. And I'm like, I am having a great fucking time guys. Leave me alone. And they, they just wouldn't. And so it was a good another over 10 years before I really did mushrooms. I tried them along the way with different people, but never got to that place of visuals again. And it's interesting. I think a lot of people have a fear of taking too much. And so they tend to take too little. But I think there's different things that happen based on what your dosage is. And for me, now that I know myself, um, I love the visual space. And that involves taking more than you think you should. And it's a beautiful place. Um, so yeah, I had bought these off of my my dealer and had just been holding on to them for like a month or so. And I remember I was um, doing a lot of work around like witchcraft and getting in touch with the different systems of the earth, getting in touch with nature, which is really what witchcraft is all about. And I really wanted to see auras. And I had this book on it and I was reading about how to relax your eyes. And so... I thought I would take these mushrooms and try to see auras and see, see, see what is all the fuss about with these mushrooms. And so 
I took all the mushrooms. Um, it was probably the equivalent of about three grams of not penis envy. So just uh, maybe 2.5 grams to three grams. And went in the mirror. And a lot of people said, you know, don't look yourself in the mirror on mushrooms. And my dealer was like, let me tell you, it's one of the best things you can do. Look yourself in the mirror. And I full heartedly agree with that statement. Now I went and looked myself in the mirror and I started trying to relax my eyes. Like I was going to see my aura and you kind of relax your eyes. Like you do in one of those pop-up books. Um, if you remember those like hidden image books, and then you kind of relax your eyes and they go across and this like image pops out of the page at you. Did oh, you ever have those? Guy, right? Yeah. 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 And so that those. was how they had described seeing auras. And so I'm looking at my face and I'm watching my face and my eyes. I'm looking at my eyes and my eyes come together as one in the middle of my forehead. And I'm like, whoa, I'm looking at this eye in the middle of my forehead. Didn't even, someone else literally put it together for me the next day that I was looking directly into my third eye. And I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, whoa. And, and all of a sudden, all these tunnel flashes start happening. All these images start downloading on the sides of me. And if I looked at them, they'd go away. And I was like, what is that? And I'm looking at it. And all of a sudden, there's this, these clear messages that start coming to me of, you have to love yourself. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know how to love myself. And it went, okay, all right, let's sit down on the floor. Apollo, your dog, who's also right behind me, for those of you who are watching. He was uh, in his bed on the bathroom floor and it sits me down and it goes, pet Apollo, fill with the love that you feel for Apollo. Fill with it. Keep filling with it. Fill with it till you're ready to burst. And now I'm like practically in tears. I love my dog so much. And then all of a sudden, higher consciousness drops this mirror between me and the dog and bounces all of what I was directing towards my dog back at me. And immediately I started to feel that love for myself. And I had never felt that in my entire life. And it just changed everything. I was so high off that one journey for like two months, you couldn't bring me down. Like now I had finally touched self-love and I wanted more of it. And I started just thinking there's something to these mushrooms. What the fuck happened? How do I do that again? And of course, now that I know better, you can never recreate the same journey twice. And I would again, I got more of them and I started sort of setting up this regiment for myself where at least once a month I would go on what I called a mushroom journey in my bedroom by myself with music playing and the doors locked and candles lit. And I just would take them and wait to see what messages I would get. And sometimes I had a great messages. Like one time I got channeled up into this Arcturian, what I now know is an Arcturian space with all of these different symbols, creating all of the different structures around me. And I kept begging them to tell me what it was I was looking at and they wouldn't, um, to, uh, you know, having other journeys where it was just like simply reflecting on past relationships and crying and letting go. And then also getting a chance to look at all the relationships and see what they actually taught me which I don't think we go back and do very often. And the way that these mushrooms were impacting me and reframing things, I was beginning to heal. Um, I was beginning to stop judging myself. I was beginning to love my past 
And I was beginning to see how that had really put me exactly where I was to now be the decider of my future. And it's what I love sharing about plant medicine with others. Amazing. Yeah, it's really the key, I feel like, is that self-love or even like the universal eternal love and the interconnectedness that you feel with other people and with nature. Because I feel like we kind of lose touch uh, with all of those types of things when we go through life in Western culture. Mm -hmm. You go through school, you don't learn shit. All they do is teach you how to obey. They don't teach you how to think uh, or how to love. And most of the time, if you're in a regular middle-class household, your parents are working, so you're not really getting it from them either. So we're brought up by our peers and we're brought up by our entertainment. And it's it just so happens that the love of the universe and the cosmos is just not included there. Mm. Yeah, amen. Yeah. How sad is that? God, there's so much in school that should be included. Like you should learn how to meditate, learn how to move your body, learn how to listen to the messages that arise of pain sensors and other things that could could give you insights on how's your diet? Are you moving enough? What's what's going on? And we're just not learning any of it. Yeah, we it's and it it's amazing when you just feel a little bit of it, you realize how vast and how expansive it is. And mm. when you access those realms with plant medicine, it's just an endless, endless barrage of love. Um, and also exploration. There's such a mystery about it as well. So it gives you this sense of curiosity too. It's like a very like humbling, comfortable curiosity. Yeah. What plant medicine did you start with? Uh, or psychedelic? Was, yeah. For me, it was always mushrooms. Uh, uh, I do DMT sometimes as well. Not quite as often. Uh, mushrooms are just my favorite. Um, I just mm. had some such, such transformative experiences with them first. Um, I remember there was a, a friend of mine that we discovered this like sort of together and he in high school was kind of like a bad kid, did a lot of drugs, did a lot of mushrooms, a lot of LSD, a lot of stuff. And whereas me, I never did a single drug in high school, not even marijuana. So mm. I approached him at one point after doing just tons of research, um, because for me, it started with looking at the world and realizing that what was happening just wasn't the right way. It was 2015, 2016, when we were looking at the, these crazy presidential elections where you have like, you know, Mr. Revolution, Bernie Sanders, and, you know, crazy Trump on the other side and Hillary Clinton status quo. And it's, I'm looking at these three people and I'm like, these are our choices really to run our country. Mm. Um, so I started to look into other ways of, you know, running things, other ways of structuring things. Um, and then I started to kind of fall into spirituality and I stumbled upon Terrence McKenna and it was over. I was like, yeah, I got to get my hands on, on some mushrooms and see what they can offer me and see what I can learn from them. Um, mm. So I approached my friend with this information. And I was like, hey man, listen, I know you've done a lot of these things in the past. So I'm coming to you as a person that I feel comfortable with talking about this to. Um, and I knew he would be right on board with me as well. And when I explained to him why I wanted to take mushrooms, he looked at me and he said, you have no idea what you're talking about. Like, this is not an experience you can get from doing mushrooms. Um, what? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So he didn't think the spiritual aspect had anything to do with it. 
Nope. He wow. always just would ingest them at parties. Um, and he, like I said, he was, he was that kind of a person in high school. And when you're a kid in high school, a lot of times, if you don't have the necessary tools and you don't get lucky enough to have a spontaneous spiritual experience, you can completely bypass that part of it. So yeah. I was like, just trust me, man, like this is possible. And of course, coming to him as someone who's never done drugs before, he just kind of laughed it off and was like, all right, let's go in there and I'll, I'll, I'll show you. Um, and I mean, it was like, <clears throat> I don't know, 10, 20 minutes into the peak of the experience. And he looks over at me and he was like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> man, like, this is what I was talking about. And it was just history from there. Um, and then we brought my fiance into it as well. Um, mm. And we would have these beautiful experiences together. Uh, there was one point in time where my fiance and I were having like some really rough times because um, we've been mm. together for we're coming up on 16 years. Wow. Um, and, and, and we're both 33. So we've been together for quite a while. Um, and we were having some rough times, uh, probably around 2017. It was something like that. So I said to her, like, if you want this relationship to work and you really think that this is something worth doing, like, why don't we, I pointed to my safe. Cause I always have my mushrooms in the safe. And I said, if you want to try these, we can do it and we can try to connect on a deeper level. Um, so we both did it. Uh, we took four grams together and mm. it was amazing. It was so beautiful. We were able to both connect with each other and also ascend and feel that that feeling of the almighty you know that that cosmic creator feeling that you get um so yeah they they've they've helped to broaden my horizons and also solidify my, my relationships with some of the people i care most about including some family who i've introduced these things to as well uh, that's my dream to do them with my mom you will know all hell has broken loose when i get my mom to do them <laughs> I'm Is right she there a real with straight you. edge or she's very if it's not legal no mm -hmm. you know like she's fine she's coming around enough now that she's sent me a couple texts being like I think you're on to something and I'm like I know I am but that's okay she's she's starting to identify and you know the the Michael Pollan documentary series on Netflix really she was like did you see this and I was like I sent it to you three months ago but I'm so glad you've seen it now <laughs> you know mm -hmm. like yes 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 um but I like you I um I have my first boyfriend I've had in like the last six years right now and it's it's new but we're both into psychedelics and plant medicines and depth at which we're getting to experience each other just is mind-blowing and i i strongly recommend that for couples i see a lot of like husbands and wives and couples coming to do ayahuasca together and i'm just like oh the fantasy of doing ayahuasca together like wow but you can get that on on mushrooms too it's so connecting and it's so like you really get to see to the core of the other person and it helps you approach those situations from a hard open space, as opposed to, you know, I think without them, we can tend to be like, wait, but this is, this is what I think is best. And here's why, and we're not so open to receiving someone else's opinion. And then in the medicine, it's so much easier to look through other lenses and the ego gets thrown out the door of needing to be right. Yeah. I mean, we're just so solidified in our ways and we are so asleep in ways that we can't even imagine. Mm. And these substances just, they dissolve the boundaries in between 
what we consider ourselves and who we are and our preferences and like the everything and the interconnectedness, you know, that we feel with the, with all of ourselves and with nature. And on the other side of that too, is the fact that you, you feel this, like this impermanence, this Mm. like everything is impermanent. Everything is moving. Everything is flowing. Everything is changing at all times. And what that really helped me to do was to get over my fear of change because I mean, fear holds us back in every single way, especially when it comes to the evolution of ourselves. Absolutely. Oh my God. Yeah. And you just nailed it. Uh, Impermanence has been really one of my big, call it curriculum lessons in the last couple of months that's just been coming to the forefront and paying more and more attention to how everything is constantly changing. Like even think of the food that you buy at the grocery store. If you buy produce, it is constantly changing and evolving every single minute. You know, bananas are a perfect example. Gosh, they just go bad so quickly. Yeah, I've let um, too many bananas rot in my day, unfortunately. uh, Yeah, put them in the fridge. Actually, that's no one taught me that until like this past year. And now I've discovered they will last longer in the fridge. I didn't even realize that. Okay, I'm going to start doing that because I eat bananas all the time. I love them. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Me too. (laughs) So do you you incorporate a lot of the lessons that you've learned from psychedelics into your coaching, even if you're not using the substances within that coaching realm? Absolutely. I mean, it's my favorite thing to help people use those substances, but for those who don't, uh, who aren't ready for the plant medicine and psychedelics path, it's so easy to bring in those lessons from me of what I understand now about the universe and how we function in the unified field. Um, It's a little, you know, it's a shame because I feel like it's almost the long way getting someone to understand that without plant medicines, but it can absolutely be done. And there's still so many ways that you can drop in and learn the lessons without it. And that's absolutely, I'm grateful that I got to expedite my process through it and learned so many things. And now I get to share that with other people. So which plant medicines do you use when you guide people through ceremonies? I specifically guide psilocybin mushrooms. Um, yeah, I don't think I'll ever guide ayahuasca. I feel like that's a really, that's a very powerful a position to be in. Ayahuasca is like this queen of the cosmos and she is just beautiful. And psilocybin is very connected to this earth, to our realities and perceptions here. And that is actually the medicine that came to me and said, I am meant to guide this. So Um, yeah, that's the one I work with. How many times have you taken ayahuasca? Are you pretty uh, experienced with it or have you just started to delve into it? I feel like I've just gotten started. Um, I took, let's see, I'm probably up to like 12 sittings with ayahuasca. And in June, I'll go back to Peru and I'll sit with her eight more times um, on a two-week retreat with Hamilton Souther, who I believe you just interviewed. And... Yeah, he's his ceremonies are incredible. The way that he holds space and each retreat is in and of itself a grander ceremony. And so there's really interesting ways that it builds over a couple of days and that the lessons compound and the medicine knows it like really it knows how long you're going to sit with it. And so she is such an intelligent, intelligent combination of plants that really 
yeah, give it to you exactly how you need it. <laughs> so yeah, Hamilton, he is uh, he's a national treasure. I, I love that man, and I've only just spoken to him for the first time today, actually. Oh um, wow! But yeah, he's he's just a beast in the field. Yes, and I am so grateful to call him a friend and mentor. And, you know, he just launched the Blue Morpho Academy, which will be training trip sitters, facilitators, master facilitators. Um, so even though I've already been facilitating, I'm really excited to get my certification through him and share that. Yeah, his curriculum seems to be super deep. Uh, I asked him about that. We, we talked a little bit about it near the end of our, of our conversation. Um, and the levels at which you can, you can take uh, the courses are just like so in-depth. And yeah. I think he said like the master facilitator uh, curriculum is like endless. There's no actual mm. time frame, and that makes perfect sense because you're continuously learning. I mean, I'm sure even he is evolving his his skills with each ceremony, and he's done hundreds of them. Yes, oh, he's done thousands of them. Um, I actually wouldn't. Um, I was at his first retreat out of COVID in October, and something he actually discovered was that. Um, using earplugs. So we had a woman on our retreat and he gives earplugs when we go on the boat ride from Iquitos up to the Amazon lodge. And this woman who was at our retreat had kind of been tricked into going by her husband and sitting around, being around anyone vomiting is her nightmare. And so now she's in a room with like 30 people vomiting and she was just like, this is my personal hell. And so she put the earplugs in and after the second night of first or second night of ceremony, she said something to everybody like, hey, if the vomiting bothers anybody, these earplugs are phenomenal. And Hamilton was like, earplugs? What? I've never tried that before. And so then he started testing out earplugs and we all started testing out earplugs and it was like a whole new layer to doing ayahuasca. Wow. Wow. So do the Icaros still get in when you're yep. using them? Wow, that's that's yeah. amazing. It's interesting because it just sort of dampens the sound and it takes away the impact of feeling like you're you're right there in it with someone. Um, and you get just more like you can hear him really clear as day. And you could probably shove them in. I would sometimes like shove them in super tight and try to block everything out, like specifically when I was in this underwater dimension with aliens. Um, I was like, it's just not appropriate, <laughs> but yeah, it really dampens the sound of other people's hard experiences. And isn't it like amazing that a guy like Hamilton, who, like you said, facilitated thousands of ayahuasca experiences can randomly learn one day from someone who maybe <laughs> was their first time, a new trick. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So we're always constantly in evol evolving. And what I love about being with him at the ceremonies and the retreats is he's just so generous with his information too. Like last time I was there, I had written down all these things that I wanted to learn, like different tips and tricks that I could take back to my practice for my clients. And we were recording some things for uh, for the academy actually. And he was showing how to do energy healing and he was teaching how to use a shakapa. And it was like, I realized as I walked away that I now held the knowledge on how to use a shakapa. And that knowledge has now transcended into my ability to hold energy for many different people at one time in actual plant medicine ceremony based on the concepts of shakapa and sending out different, different lines of energy to different people in the room for the different things that they need. And um, 
yeah, he's just, he's so generous with, you can ask him anything and he's like, "Mm, here's the answer as I know it to the best of my knowledge. Yeah. And I mean, not to mention like his willingness to, to just come on my podcast and yours. Um, he said he's been on yours three times. I mean, he's just so generous with his time and you can really tell he, he wants the world to know what he knows and he wants to share it with everyone as best he can. Yeah, he does. And I'm so grateful that he is still a shaman. He almost quit a couple years ago. Like he was mm-hmm. like ready to throw in the towel. He was just like, he thought COVID and all this stuff was like really knocking the world off kilter. And um, it wasn't until I think he said sort of halfway through COVID that he got a download of like, nope, this is the way. And he has to do ayahuasca. And so he's like, okay, I'll f- figure it out. And yeah, they won't have let him off the hook that year. He's, <laughs> no he's stuck. <laughs> I'm like, you're one of the most powerful people in the whole wide world. And like most of the world doesn't know it yet. <laughs> exactly. And hopefully they do soon. And if, if you and I can try to um, to expel his message as much as we can and host him as many times as possible, then so be it. Let's Let's get it. Yes, absolutely. I love the message and I love the power of sharing it and the power of healing and the power of raising consciousness. And another thing I love about him is um, we're both Aries. And so he and I both love to go super hard. And so he understands me as a psychonaut as well. So there's like that spectrum with psychedelics and that there's this healing over here and it can be real light and mellow and it can be more advanced here. And then there's the psychonautics of like, really getting to meet other alien dimensions and exploring these alternate realities and seeing how far you can go. And he enjoys the whole spectrum and I enjoy the whole spectrum. And so when we get together, he just loves to send me super hard because that's what we've agreed upon. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. Perfect. (laughs) Um, There's a Terrence McKenna quote um, and he said something like, uh, if you mess with these substances for a long enough period of time, you're bound to scare the pants off yourself. So as a deep psychonaut who goes hard, uh, have you ever scared the pants off of yourself with these substances? Yes. Um, trying to think like with plant medicine specifically less so. Um, I did have, before I met Hamilton in person, I was in Peru for two weeks And I did ayahuasca with a medicine man who was guiding my tour. And he found out that I facilitated psilocybin. And so he went from giving me a small dose to a really big dose. And I, at that point, had never broken through on DMT. I had had many people sit me down and try to get me to smoke enough DMT to hit this breakthrough space. And based on how they described it to me, I knew I had never broken through. And that was crazy because I'm I'm poised to break through. And so he gave me this massive dose and it was the most challenging experience of my life um, where I was probably at something that should have been a breakthrough, but instead I was shaking and convulsing and everything was sharp and jagged. And I was calling on every entity, every guide I'd ever had to come and help me and sit with me through this nightmare that I was going through. Um, and, And I mean, essentially for me at that point, I was laughing through how fucking awful it was. Um, I would say specifically in plant medicines, like in mushrooms per se, I haven't really scared myself. Like I've done some pretty powerful and incredible things because I'm always very curious. Um, I've, I've been turned into like balls of light 
and seen other balls of light that were representative of other entities in the, the nearby and actually got to build another timeline and tra- like move my energy into a different timeline that I then actually watched myself experience. And it was something that had seemed so far fetched to me as something that would be like socially acceptable. Um, but I have scared the crap out of myself on ketamine. And so that is one where uh, a couple times I was like, oh, I think I'm not coming back. I think I may not be going back to my body. And that's that, you know, and I'm on ketamine. So I'm like, well, someone else will have to figure it out. I don't care <laughs> that life isn't even real. Anyways, look where I am. If I get to stay here, sweet, sign me up. <laughs> that is the scariest feeling, isn't it? Like that you're never going to come back or you're never going to be the same again or something. You're going to be insane for the rest of your life. That's just like, it's uh, the worst feeling ever. Yeah. I've had two times on ketamine also where one time I thought I was getting put back in the wrong body. And then another time, um, my best friend lives directly upstairs. And so like our bedrooms are over each other. And one time I was coming back and I kept thinking in her voice and I thought I was going to get put back in her body by accident. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So the, uh, yeah. So I, I generally feel pretty safe on plant medicines, but Bufo has been kind of terrifying sometimes. I don't know if you've done Bufo yet. I have not. Um, yeah, there's, uh, I've been, I have a facilitator that I just trust and who honors me as a facilitator and I had a cool, a few cool experiences on it. And then the last time I did it, he, he let me sit with it four times in one ceremony and we were doing smaller doses at this point. So around 38 micrograms of actual Bufo. And the, the third time I did it, I thought, I thought my whole face was swelling up and I thought I was vomiting all over my face. And I like literally thought like I was going to come out completely deformed. It was one of those things where I like opened my eyes and looked to my facilitator to see if he was freaking out and he seemed cool. So I was like, okay, I'll be cool. But when I came out of it, I was like, is my face swollen? And he's like, he's like looking at, I was like, no, no, it would be like obvious, like elephantitis, like swollen. And he's like, no, no, no. And I'm like, okay, okay. Then I'm going to chill because that was clearly all in my head. But yeah. That's 5-MeO, right? Bufolivarius? Yes, 5-MeO DMT. Yeah, that's crazy. I would love to try it, but also scared and intimidated by it too. She is worthy of being honored, that's for sure. Um, My first experience, I did like 68 micrograms the first dose, and that was awesome. Like this deep relaxation of what felt like my kundalini line. Like I remember taking this, releasing this big sigh from inside of me and just collapsing into the universe deeper than I had ever collapsed before, completely dissolved. And then getting to come back through this loving feeling and it was all love and great and stuff. And it was, it was awesome, you know? And then I did another smaller dose after that, that was filled with all these beautiful colors that I get that are very Bufo specific that I hear don't necessarily translate to uh, synthetic. And, um, it was also cool because I went home and I had to hold a mushroom ceremony for someone the next day. And I was like, well, that'd be fine. And they were like, oh yeah, it should be good. You just might have like a reactivation. And I was like, okay, what's a reactivation? And they were like, it's this, you know, for like 10 minutes, Bufo kind of kicks back in. And I was like, all right, 10 minutes, that's fine. No big deal. Well, I took mushrooms with my client 
And I was Bufo reactivated the entire time. And so that was really cool because there was this like depth to it. And instead of being mushrooms, everything was very Bufo-esque, which was almost like a seven dimensional sitting with someone else. Um, so much so that when his ceremony was over and he was sober, I was still fully kicked in. And so I took some more after he left and just like really got to sit in it and play with it. So that's kind of my favorite thing now after Bufo is to take mushrooms and then sit in this much more extended period. But that time, that last time where I got to do four different sittings, I got a chance to see what other people may experience where it's not all love and light and like dissolving and rebirthing. Instead, it can be, I have seen some of the terrifying edges of it now. Yeah, these substances can all get super dark, um, especially if you don't respect them. That's when mm -hmm. they can really kick you in the ass. Um, oh, yeah. the one time I had a really, really bad experience was when I didn't respect the substance. Um, it was a night where me, my fiance, and my friend, as I had mentioned before, we're going to get together. I've told this story a few times in the podcast, so I apologize for anybody who's sick of it. But um, we got together. Um, we were all hanging out separately, actually. Me and my friend were hanging out at a bar. My fiance was hanging out at another bar with her friend. Um, we all got back together. We weren't drunk or anything. We didn't get out of control. We were just kind of spending some time together with some friends. Um, and we, it was about 9 o'clock, and we started having this really deep conversation. And this conversation lasted till about 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, sober. We didn't take the mushrooms. And mm. we had, you know, talked about traumas, deep-seated emotional issues, you know, with each of our lives. It was a very amazing conversation. And what we didn't realize was that that itself, that conversation was the psychedelic experience. Like that's what we needed mm. for that night. And we had already had it, but because we felt so great and we, and it was such a cathartic experience having that, that discussion, um, we decided to just take the mushrooms anyway at three o'clock in the morning. It was five oh grams and oh it boy. was really insane. Um, I, I remember I started to, to cry. I felt this, this darkness all over my, my being and I was starting to cry. And I was telling myself, like, you've been here before, you know the ropes, like, allow yourself to cry it out feel what the mushroom is presenting you because this is supposed to teach you something like this this is a lesson for you learn you're in class mm -hmm. so i buried my face in the couch and i was just crying my eyes out and in my visionary field i saw like a shadow aura of myself it was like a, a black shadow body with a purple like sparkly aura around it i'm not sure if that has any like auric significance cuz i'm not really too uh, well versed on that but that's what I kind of saw myself as. And then like that being death appeared with his scythe and just sliced me from bottom up. And there was just like this slice in between. And then what came out of it was like all of the sorrow and sadness of what felt like the entire universe. And I was mm. just like drowning in sorrow and it was fucking horrible. It was so bad. I look over at my fiance and she had fallen asleep and then woke up to me crying and she was confused and didn't know what was going on. I looked up at the ceiling and I saw these, which were kind of pretty, but kind of scary at the same time. They were like these geometric patterns that were made of electricity and they were just flowing through me and coming down on me. And uh, I heard from uh, the bedroom, uh, my friend's bedroom, which is right attached to his living room. He just, he went right in there. He was like, I'm, 
I need to go in there and just be in the dark by myself. So I heard mm. in there from the bedroom, um, right as we were all having like a really tough time, my friend goes, I love you guys. And I just started like laughing and crying at the same time because I knew that they were both going through the same thing I was. And it mm. just, it lasted until the daylight. Um, we went upstairs to our apartment, which happens to be right next door to my friends. And we had just gotten my dog, whose name is also Apollo. Um, Heck yeah. he's, he's five now. Um, and we had just gotten him. He was a puppy and we came upstairs and there was just shit all over the floor. And we just fell deeper into that darkness, like seeing all the shit. And he was like flipping out. And it was just, it was a, a really horrible experience from second one to the end of it. But mm. I learned so much from that experience because sometimes it just, it takes a real kick in the ass to learn to respect the substance we were we were cocky at that point in time for some reason we just we felt cocky that night like nothing can touch us because the mushroom is it's it's nice to you for a while you know you have a few really great experiences you gain this this super confidence that's like you're a, a bard of the mushroom and it, it won't hurt you and then when you get cocky and you take too much or you disrespect it in some way it it puts you down so i i learned that the hard way yeah and i think you make a great point about being you know, the, some of the most challenging trips are the ones that we learn the most from. And I can relate that also my second time doing Bufo was really challenging for me. And I struggled to surrender and I struggled to let go. And we did a bigger dose than on my first time. And I just whited out the entire time. And, you know, my, it was the only time my facilitator was actually kind of a little concerned for me because he saw me not, not letting go. Um, and my, it just turned into, for me, this beautiful message of surrender. And it hadn't been a focus of my life until that point. And, it, and then it began to have this through way into all these other things, like going on my first trip to Peru. And I hadn't really planned to surrender. I was like looking at my whole tour schedule, just being like, okay, when can I work in between? When can I find this? Are we going to have internet here? And I was like, you've been planning this trip for like, nine months, like, and you're not going to go away and surrender, like get your shit together. And I did. And it turned into this magical, magical trip, but I'm interested and curious to talk more about yours with you. Like that sorrow that you opened up, did you feel like it was sorrow from inside of you? Did you feel like it was gone after the trip? Yeah, I did feel like it was gone after the trip. I felt like mm. it was my sorrow, but it was also the collective sorrow of like all of the earth or something like that. It was, it felt like way bigger than what I was. I was like accessing something larger than myself in that way. Um, mm -hmm. But you, luckily I fully recovered. There was no psychological repercussions or physical. Um, all of us actually are perfectly fine. Um, but what did follow me was an immense respect and fear. Um, and kind of an irrational feel, uh, an irrational fear in some ways, because mm. uh, there have been times where I've planned to take psychedelics, where I've known that it's what I need to do at the time. And I've just said, you know what, tonight's at the not the night and I backed out. So my journey right now is I'm I'm currently looking for that courage that I used to have before that nightmare experience. So because I used to have all the courage in the world. We were every weekend we were jumping in 5 grams every weekend and mm -hmm. really just going deep and um you know filling ourselves with the love of the mystery and it was just fantastic. But 
Uh, since then, it's been few and far between, a few times a year, uh, and I feel like I'm hitting mm. it pretty hard. Um, but I'm starting to try to increase the 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 frequency at which I'm doing them now. Um, and since the last time, I've actually I haven't I haven't taken five grams since that night. Um, generally now I'd go with four because four grams seems to be like a really comfortable and beautiful dose for me. Um, so I'm working my way back to, to the place I used to be almost. And I'm hoping that when I get there, because I'm so much more well-informed now, and I'm so mm -hmm. much more open to these experiences now, I think it'll be much better next time I, I hit that five gram dose again. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I'd like to have in my toolkit is the knowledge that I can transform what's happening. Um, I did a 9.5 gram dose a couple weekends ago and it started wow. with like, <laughs> yeah, it started with a whole rebirth that was so uncomfortable and I was sitting on a foam roller. So I was kind of like rocking back and forth and just, I felt like a frog that was having other frogs come off of it. And I just was sighing and yell sighing at the top of my lungs and my boyfriend's in the corner laughing at me because he only did four grams. And, um, as I'm sitting there and I'm like, Wah! like somatically trying to release everything. And this is kind of where Hamilton and I go a little bit back and forth and that, you know, as my mentor, he's like, calm it down make it a meditative state. The, the primary objective and the primary mastery is when you can meditate in it without the fidgeting, without the shaking, without the movement. But the somatic practitioner in me goes, there's something really helpful in somatic releases. And especially when someone gets to this rebirth phase that you will experience if you take a heroic dose, like sometimes it's stick, sticky and icky and you need to yell, like you need to, uh, you know, you need to move, you need to stretch, you need to start listening. And I would say that became the first third of my, my journey that night. And then I hit the moment where like, it was all good. And then I could do something different. So then I got to work on healing my family lineage and my boyfriend's family and all of our friends and all these different things that I'd never done in that space before and got to learn and see and experience. But the first part was like learning how to transform how just incredibly fucked I felt. <laughs> so do you have any advice for people like me or anybody who's listening who has this overwhelming sense of fear of psychedelics? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would advise you to trust that you're going to get the lesson that you need and to equip yourself with at least a few tools that you know can transmute your experience. And what are those tools for you? Is it breath? You know, remembering to take deep belly breaths and relax and calm your state can be really helpful. Perhaps meditation is really helpful. Having a space in your head that you like to go that brings you a sense of peace and calm. Laughter is wildly transformative. Are you going to have anyone else around who can help bring that laughter for you? Because literally the instant you start laughing and mean it, everything changes. Um, dance is also another really powerful tool. Put on a song that's going to inspire you to get up and dance. I prefer music without words because that way the music can't steer you into, um, into a corner. It can't direct how you're your emotions feel based on the words. 
And so you get a chance to assign whatever feels right to you. So movement is a really powerful tool as well. So take that stagnant energy and transform it into something else. Definitely, definitely. So as we begin to, uh, to approach an hour here, I want to be respectful mm-hmm. of your time. Um, sure. Is there anything else that you want to uh, get out to our listeners? Any, any other uh, nuggets of wisdom or advice? Um, yeah, if you guys have been doing plant medicines and psychedelics, I am so excited that in the coming weeks, if not already, by the time this podcast comes out, I will have launched the Sacred Integration Tribe, which is an online community bringing people together to integrate their plant medicine experiences. And so that will look like weekly live integration circles with me, along with a guest host each month who will drop in on one of the lives and share their expertise, as well as resources added monthly to give you tools and ways to navigate the experience and a whole community space to talk about what you've experienced, hear from others and share. And so I'm really excited to be bringing that out. Um, as well as structuring some of my group coaching programs to be released here in the near future. But yeah, I just, I love walking this journey with you and with everyone. And I'm so grateful that this is what we get to do. Yeah, it's amazing. And I think that's a really good idea that you're putting together like this group integration thing. Um, Cause we're missing that. I think in our mm-hmm. society, you know, we isolate ourselves in our houses with our phones and we don't have this like group communion anymore. Um, and I think that's so important to psychedelics because people do them alone and I love doing them alone. Like it, it's great to go inside yourself. Um, but I think it's very important for us to commune with the people around us and to create those bonds. Yeah. And it's beautiful to share. And I think a lot of people who come to these experiences, especially you go to ayahuasca retreats or ceremonies, like your community, your friend group may not necessarily have the same values and they may not be doing the same thing. So when people go home, then they're like, shit, I had this experience and now I have no one that I feel like I can talk to about it. And there's something so powerful about saying, hey, I showed up and I coughed a physical object out of my mouth during an ayahuasca ceremony. Like, And then someone else goes, oh yeah, I did too. And you're like, ah. I I coughed up an object last time (laughs) in January when I was with Hamilton, like a metallic object shot out of my mouth, which is a whole nother story. Yeah. I feel like we have to talk about that a little bit before we we go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So yeah, so I'm really excited to share the tribe with everyone and like, let's Mm -hmm. all come together. You know, we did the ceremonies together and now let's continue integrating together. That's great. Um, And where can people find you if they want to listen to your podcast, which I love. It's fantastic, by the way. Thank you. The Modern Hippie Podcast is available on all podcast platforms. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, Google, they have their own podcast, Amazon, um, as well as uh, YouTube. It's big on YouTube. And then um, you can find me at Barrett Perlman on Instagram. And everything else is also available on BarrettPerlman.com. All of those links will be in the show description. So if you guys want to go there, please show her some support. Barrett, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Josh. This has been a pleasure.